Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 20 of the interview chair. A couple days ago I was speaking in California and uh, someone came up to me and asked me what my opinion was on surveys. Now for those of you who have ever heard me speak, you know I have some very strong opinions when it comes to the whole idea of gathering input and feedback and what that looks like and how we should do that. So I started reflecting on that and so I decided that for today's episode I wanted to talk about a topic that I talk about in my latest book, Recalibrate. And so today I'm going to just cover that segment again. Um, yeah, I think that's just what I'll do today. So here's my question. Do you ever struggle to talk about work when you get home? Confession. I did this during my 22-year career as a school leader. Sometimes it was because I was just tired of talking. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, right? All day long you're talking, you get home, you just, you know, you just don't feel like talking. And when things weren't going well, I had an, you know, I had assistant principals who, to whom I could vent. You know the saying, misery loves company. Literally there would be days that we would just sit around in our offices after work, just exhausted from the day, maybe frustrated, you know, feeling like you got beat up all day and yeah. We would just sit there and vent to one another in a safe place. And after unleashing my frustrations on them, I didn't feel like repeating myself all over again at home. Other times it was because I had to maintain the confidence of others who had shared things with me privately, but added to the list of stresses I was already experiencing. And if I'm being truthful, sometimes I was just too upset, embarrassed, and ashamed because I didn't want to let down those who believed in me. The job of an educator can be a lonely world, right, my friends? One night, I took home the stress from a long day of feeling beat up. I remember being quiet, agitated, and in no mood to talk. And it didn't take long for me to take the frustrations of the day out on my family. Sometimes those who love us the most are most vulnerable to experiencing the worst within us. I guess it is because we believe family is a safe place and as educators, well, sometimes we need a safe place after another day of absorbing the emotions and quite frankly, the trauma of our students and our colleagues. I remember saying, you don't know what I have to deal with regularly. It doesn't matter how many hours I work, how many times I try to do the right thing, how many complaints I listen to, or how many times I go out of my way to help students and staff and families it never seems like it's ever going to be enough. Earlier that night, I had sat alone in my office staring at the computer screen, just full of anxiety, not wanting to click on the attachment. I knew it was about to come at me, and yet I was going to have to take it and carry it home with me, right? Regardless if it was tainted with exaggerations or half-truths or in some instances just flat out lies. 
And with one click of the finger, I opened up a document that to this day just continues to wreak havoc on the psyche of educators everywhere in what I now consider the biggest culture killer of all, the anonymous survey. I mean, how many times have you perused this, anonymously, this anonymous list, excuse me, only to find yourself ignoring the positive comments handed out to you and focusing instead on the zingers being hurled at you. You remember that, right? You're looking at it and looking at it and just boom, right there, it just hits you and, and you hit that first zinger and now you're just going through looking for the zingers. And more importantly, why do we continue to use a tool that perpetuates the notion of mistrust that we are trying our darndest to combat? especially when we know that the foundation of every healthy culture is rooted in trust. Truth be told, it is rare for me to come across a district that isn't currently using this practice to seek input from others. And when I inquire why they are engaging in a tool that promotes anonymity and secrecy, they almost always respond the same way. Well, Jimmy, because if we don't, people won't tell us what they think. They won't be honest. And when I press further to understand why someone would be truthful or wouldn't be truthful, I, excuse me, the follow-up is often, well, because they worry if they are, they will get in trouble. There will be some sort of retaliation or retribution. And my response is typically the same. So you're telling me that the only reason we are still using an anonymous survey is that if we don't, people won't tell us what they really think, and the reason for that is because they worry they will get in trouble? If that's true, then what does that tell us about our real culture? See, it's easy to create mission statements, post signs around campus, and pass out school profiles that promote excellence. But can a culture truly be considered excellent if we still must gather input anonymously? I mean, I think we have to ask ourselves this very tough question. I'm not suggesting that schools blow up their entire systems. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that at the very least, we should counter this practice, which in my experience is ineffective, and balance it with a practice that will produce much better results in our work when implemented effectively. So what is that practice? One-on-one -on -one interviews with your staff. See, visionary leaders are often clear about the direction they want to go. But the humble leader recognizes that she or he must listen to others to help them redirect that vision. What if you could recalibrate your culture with a more transparent survey that would counter or eliminate the anonymous survey and allow us to see the culture through the eyes of others? Face-to-face, one-on-one -on -one conversations could be implemented at all three levels, the classroom, the building, and central office. Superintendents could see the culture through the eyes of their principals, and principals would use staff member input to see it through their eyes. And of course, let's not forget about teachers who would ask students for their help. This, of course, would require an effective process to ensure a better result. Remember, culturize, bring a group of people together, share a vision, and use the four most powerful words in leadership. I need your help. 
So here are a few things to consider if you decide to move in this direction as a system and incorporate the Eyes on Culture survey with staff and students. Number one, the purpose. Introduce the Eyes on Culture survey to explain the purpose of the survey. For example, we want to create a culture in which students and staff members can express their thoughts openly without fear of repercussions. Two, we must be transparent, correct? Questions should be provided in advance to give people time to process questions and prepare their responses. It's only fair. We don't want people worried and stressed out about what are they going to ask me. Let's just give them the questions ahead of time so they can see them, process them, reflect on them, and really think through their responses before responding to you. Number three, let's be clear in our expectations. In other words, yes, I believe that everyone should be expected to participate in these interviews, but I also believe that they should not be required to respond. In other words, it's okay for a staff member to say, you know what, pass, or I don't feel comfortable responding to that, or I'm not ready yet. And we have to allow people to pass on the responses. We don't want to make people have to do anything. That just creates more of a culture of compliance. We want people to be invested. Number four, let's talk about documentation. So the idea would be we ask the questions, we take all the responses that we are given, and we document those in writing, and eventually we share those with the entire staff. Remember, we should have already told them this, but we don't do it word for word. We protect our staff. In other words, we take their information that they provided to us confidentially, and we put it into themes in order to protect them. But these themes are still very, very valuable. Number five, then we come together as a team. In other words, we collaborate. We bring everyone back to the table to review the responses from the interview to help us determine what the next steps are that we should take. In other words, allow them to examine the data. Don't you take the data and say, well, here's what we're going to do. No, this is about bringing the group of people together and utilizing their help to lead us on to the next steps. Number six, this is where I talk about the agreements. Once everyone comes to a consensus on the actionable items based on the data that we provided, in other words, the responses from the face-to-face -face interviews, this begins the implementation process where we have to monitor and continuously measure. In other words, we have to continue to go back to this, right? We don't want to take survey data and have people wondering, well, whatever happened to that data we collected? No, we have to be intentional. We monitor it. We're constantly coming together and looking and reviewing the actionable items that we took. Number seven, that means we have to communicate. Communication is critical in this work. Whether we're a superintendent or a principal and teachers, we must maintain ongoing communication regarding the progress that is being made so we can make sure that people believe, look, they're doing something with our responses. I just didn't just take the survey and whatever happened to the survey, whatever happened to our responses? No. People begin to see, oh my goodness, they are doing something with it. It gives people hope and brings value to these surveys because it gives them a voice. And more importantly, they believe we're actually doing something with the feedback. And finally, yes, we should celebrate. Everyone should come together at least a minimum of twice a year to celebrate the positive changes that we're sharing with them that are as of a result from the Eyes on Culture interview survey that we conducted. But I'm going to give you one word of caution. 
for all of you school and district leaders that if you choose to move in this direction, where we remove the anonymous survey or at least counter the anonymous survey with face-to-face -face interviews and you ask for input, then you must be willing to accept the responses. We cannot ask for feedback and then dismiss it or complain about it because it makes us uncomfortable or is considered controversial by some. Feedback can be powerful but, and it can bring about positive change but can also have negative consequences if we fail to do anything with it. My experience with schools with whom I work who have followed this recalibration process has resulted in overwhelmingly positive responses and better outcomes. Of course, any aspect can be adapted and adjusted to meet the specific needs of each school community. However, to ensure the best possible outcomes, I encourage you to follow the process that I just described here, and most importantly, to model the practice at all three levels to make the greatest, most positive systemic change. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode.